0: Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book, of, uh, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 23. I don't know if you heard this before, but it always seems uh, to always ring true uh, sometimes in my life, and it's something that I often uh, to live by, uh, this word of wisdom. And that word of wisdom is this, no good deed goes unpunished. I know we probably find it's true. Every time you try to do something good, it seems to, uh, to backfire on you. I don't know how many times that I've wished to try to do, some, to do something and uh, fix something for somebody, and I wind up usually doing more damage than it was and breaking it worse than it was when it started. Or does not seem to face when you uh, lend somebody or you uh, borrow or let somebody borrow something? They're the ones that usually doesn't bring it back. I know we probably experienced that truth in our life that it seems that no good deed goes unpunished. And if we're not careful in our life, then we will let that sort of make us callous. It'll cause us to close out our hearts and close out our life to the people in need and that we will forget what God has really called us to do, to, to be light and to be, be witness. And no one probably experienced this truth more of, No good deed going unpunished than David did in chapter 23. So as we read these verses this morning, let us think about what it means for us to do good. What it means for us to give of ourselves and to realize sometimes people won't always pay us back for our deeds. And maybe even just the opposite. Sometimes they will repay our good with evil. But Lord, as we read these this morning, let us remember that even in the midst of this, the Lord calls us always to do good and to be light in the world. So let's read 1 Samuel chapter 23. Let's begin uh, with verse number 1. It says, Now they told David, Behold, the Pharisees are fighting against, against Killam. And, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kila. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kili against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise and go down to Kila. For he will give you the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to, went to Kila, and he fought with the Philistines. And he, and he uh, brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kila. When Abathar, uh, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David at Kila, he had come down with the ephod in his hand. Now it was told that Saul, that David, was come to out, And Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in, entering a town that has gates and has bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war, to go down to out to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul was plotting against him. And, and, uh, and he said to Abimatar the priest, Bring me, bring me the ephod to uh, here. Then David said, O Lord, God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to out to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kilal surrender me into their ha- into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Kilau surrender me uh, and uh, my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord says they will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about six hundred, arose and departed from Kilau, and they went wherever they could. And Saul was told that David had escaped from Kilau, and had gone up to and he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Zeph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord, of how it guides our life. Lord, as we reflect on it this morning, Lord, what it means to have the people that we love turn our back on us. And, Lord, as we reflect on the hurt when people betray us, the people that we try to do good to turn our backs on us. But, Lord, let us remember that even as they show faithfulness and even as they show hostility towards us, Lord, you remember our good. And, Lord, that you are always with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So many times we get caught up in our own problems. So many times we get caught up in our own lives that we really close out our hearts and we close out our eyes to the people who are hurting around us. We close our minds to the needs and, the, and the, the hurts of the people who are around us. We get so caught up in our troubles. We get so caught up in our goals. We get so caught up in what our family's doing and what we think that we need to do. We just really forget about everybody else. But look at what David shows us this morning. He is on the run for Saul, his life, as is at risk. He has someone who is seeking to hunt him down, and he has to plan, and he has to calculate his every move. But then someone comes up to him and says, David, we got a problem. There's a city that's being attacked by the Philistines. What should we do? What should we do? A lot of times when we hear about the problems that are other people are facing, a lot of times we'll just close our eyes and we think about all the problems that we have. We think about our own concerns and we think about our own desires and we take no thoughts for what other people are going through. But look at David, that even as he is hurting and even though he is running and even though he's got problems of his own, he hears the word. He hears the word that there's an attack going on. By the Philistines to the people at Kilal. And he says, You know what? We got to do something. We got to do something about this. I know it's risky, but I have to remember what my commitment is to the people of Israel. I have sworn my life to defend its people, so that is what I'm going to do. So he said, regardless of what danger it may be to me, regardless of what it may cost to me, here is a need and I need to meet it. And so that was what was on his heart. His heart was to go and to help these people. But before he went, he did something very important. He said, but before I go, let me seek the Lord to see if this is what I want to do. To see if this is what I need to do. A lot of times we think just because it's a good thing, or just because it's the right thing, uh, we should just go ahead and, uh, and do it. But everything that we do, even if it just makes perfect sense to us, we should always inquire about the Lord and have Him guide our steps each and every day. But David knew that there was going to be risk to this problem, I mean to this adventure. So he wanted to make sure that he was in the will of the Lord, But I assure you, regardless of whether it seems like our lives are at risk every day, whether it seems like there's going to be trouble every day, every day our lives are at risk. Every day, whether we realize it or not, that there's trouble. There's important decisions to make. And we need the wisdom and guidance of the Lord that He gives to us through the Holy Spirit. So every morning that we wake up, even though we have on my calendar to do the same thing, you know, wake up, brush your teeth, put on deodorant, go eat breakfast, to go get in the car, and go to the same workplace to see the same people, and get back and come back home to see the same family, to cook the same meal, even if we have a routine, we need to realize that every day is a new day, and every day is a day that we need to seek the Lord for guidance. And so that's what he did. He said, "Uh, Lord, will you want me to go down and help these people? And notice he didn't have yet the ephod. And that was what the priest had to put on their shoulders that would help them as they inquired of the Lord to make the decisions. And there was the the breastplate that he would have with the uman and the thurman that would help them in uh, making decisions of the yes or the no. He didn't have any of the priestly garments. He didn't have any of the proper attire. He didn't really have the proper people. But he knew that even though he didn't have these proper things, he could call upon the name of the Lord. Isn't that great to know? You don't need a priest to call on the name of the Lord for you. You can do it. You don't have to be in church to call upon the name of the Lord for guidance. You don't need to be at the altar to call upon the Lord for guidance. But he is there with us each and every day, just waiting for us to call upon him. He's looking for it. You're not bothering him. He gets excited about it. He's waiting for you to call upon him. So he calls upon the Lord. Lord, do you want me to go down there? He says, yes. And then he tells the people, here's what we're going to do. And the people says, I don't think that's a really good idea. You know, we have enough trouble here. We're doing the best we can, staying alive. We're at risk just being here in Judah. We, have, we are in danger even in our hometown. How much more if we go over there to the Philistines? And then David does something else, that even though he feels in his heart that that's what the Lord wants him to do, he hears the counsel of the people. And he says, well, let me ask the Lord again with this new information and realizing that the people are a little hesitant. So he cries to the Lord again, Lord, you sure this is what you want me to do? He said, yes, go. And so they went, and the Lord granted them victory. He went and he conquered the Philistines who were going in to perform a raid. They had brought all of their livestock and all their cows and all of their sheep and everything, and they were going to just go across the grain fields and just let their animals have a buffet on the crops of the people of Killal. But the the Lord gave the Philistines into David's hands, so not only did he drive them back, not only did he kill their soldiers, but he took their livestock as spoil. And so God had done a great thing through David. And David had risked his life. He had risked his people. He had taken of his time to go and help the people of Kelah. And I'm sure David thinks of a good about himself, that he had done a good deed. He would think that there would be a reward. He would think there would be a thank you. He would think there would be a praise for him from the people, from the Lord, from what he had done. But it didn't turn out that way. And a lot of times, we'll find out in our life, even when we do good, it doesn't bring us a reward. As a matter of fact, sometimes... It has an opportunity for people to turn on us. So listen to what happened to David as he was there. Look at what verse number 7 uh, says to us. It says, Now Dave, Now, it was told to Saul that David had come to Kelow, and he said, God has given him into my hands, for he has shut him in by entering a town that has gates and bars. David had done a good thing, but Saul was going to use it as an opportunity to attack. You know those type of people that tend to kick you while you're down? When you're at your weakest moment, when you're vulnerable, that's when they usually make their attacks. That's usually when they make their insults. That's usually when they want to make fun of you. And even in the times that you will do good, people will use that as an opportunity. Whether people will take advantage of your generosity, whether people will see that you are giving things and using that as an opportunity to steal, people will see you actually opening up your heart and being vulnerable and use that as an opportunity to attack. And that's what Saul did. Notice what Saul says here. He says, the Lord has given David into my hand. You know, you think about this. After all that Saul had done and all the sin that he had committed, and as much as the Lord had rebuked and chastised him, Saul still thought that God was on his side. Isn't that the way some people are? You know you people these people that go out and we'll live just whatever kind of Lord uh, any kind of life that we want to live, and then when something comes up, we'll say, the Lord is on my side." but we never ask the question, and Saul never asked the question in his heart. The question that we always need to ask in our daily life is not if the the Lord is on our side, but rather we need to ask ourselves the question. Are we on the Lord's side? Are we seeking out His interests? Are we living out His will? Are we living out His commandments in our lives? Are we doing what it is, that uh, doing the things that, that please Him? Are we growing in Him? But yet we feel in our hearts and our lives as Christians that we can live whatever lives that we want to, and God will still be on our side. It's not true. If we want the Lord's favor in our hearts and our lives, we need to be on the Lord's side. Saul thought in his heart that he was on the Lord's side, and he was going to use this as the opportunity to strike down David. David, who had been so faithful to him, David, who had done so much for the people of Israel and helped to establish his kingdom and his power, now uses this as an opportunity to turn on him. But you thought, well, Saul doesn't like me. At least I might get some appreciation for the people that I helped out. And so he inquires from the Lord again. Now that the priest is here, we have the official ephod there with us. We're all legit now, and we're going to inquire upon the Lord, and he has two questions. Will Saul come against me? And will the people hand our soldiers over? Or will they fight for me? Will they show their appreciation for what I did for, for them, for taking of the time time? and risking my life, and risking my resources to come and help them? And he prays the prayer and says, God, give me the answer. And the Lord says, Saul will come after you. Saul will use this as an opportunity to strike you. And then I guess with a great deal of hesitation, he asks, so will these people turn me over? And the Lord said, yes, they will how it must have made David's heart sink. That even if these people like me, they would at least show some appreciation for what I've done. But what the Lord said to David is that as soon as they get the opportunity, they're going to turn their back on you. Doesn't that hurt? Doesn't it hurt? the people that you put so much time and effort in and so much love and the people that you've done so much for, at the earliest convenience and the earliest opportunity, they turn their back on you. What a hurt it must be. What a hurt it must have been to have someone like Saul, someone that he cared for so, about so much, Someone that they used to be in the places together. They used to be in the palace together. He used to be their servant. He used to take joy in David. And his music was now out to kill him. And now the person, the people to which that he had risked their life for was now out to get him. We've mentioned before, about how these times when David was on the run for Saul inspired some of the most emotional, heartfelt psalms that David, David wrote. And there's a couple of them there in, uh, in the Psalm 50s that really talk about this. Psalm 54 was written about the people that, w- that would come later in the chapter that would actually tell of his position. And so he talked about how much it hurt for those people to just simply turn on them. But then he reflects further in chapter 55. And in chapter 55, verse 12, he says some words that really stick home to me and will stick home to you when we think about the people who hurt us the most. Listen to what he says this in uh, Psalm 55, verse 12. It says, for it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together, and within God's house, we walked among crowds of people. You know, I could be walking down the street one day and someone could come up to me and they could just light into me. They could cuss me. They could talk about how bad of a person I was. They could talk about how bad my preaching was. They could talk about how ugly I was. They could talk about how bad my clothes was. They could talk about how fat I was. They could talk about all those things. But you know what? I wouldn't care one bit of all because those people don't mean to me, nothing to me. But it's the words that come from your family, and it's the words that come from your friends. It's the words that come from the people that you care about, and are the closest to are the ones that hurt the most. People who are far from you can't hurt you at all because you don't care what they say. But it's the people who you love, they're the ones that can really hurt, hurt you. And the same is true for us. We can shout all kind of noise at all kind of strangers, but it's really the ones that we love are the ones that we seem to hurt with our words. And as Saul thought about his enemies that he faced right now, he thought about Saul, who he used to be so close to. Even in the temple of God, he used to reflect, we used to take sweet counsel together there in the house of God. And I'm sure that that may ring true to a lot of you this morning because we are a family here as the body of Christ, and the words that are spoken by the ones here in this family are the ones that hurt the most, don't they? They're the hardest to get over because they cut so deep. But because we, we're so, so close. It needs to remind us of a couple of things as we think about this. Number one is we always need... Watch our words. We always need to be careful to do as what, uh, what uh, the Scripture says to us through, through James, that we be quick to listen and slow to speak. That we measure what we say because we need to know that when we are around the people who care about us and that we care about the most, those words matter And those words can hurt. And even sometimes when we don't mean them to hurt, they do hurt. But we also need to remember that we shouldn't allow this to fear of being hurt or the consequences of past hurt. Call us to shut ourselves out, to cause us to not respond, to call us to not have relationships, to call us to not forgive and to just hold grudges. But rather we do what David resolved to do in the end of the, uh, the 55th Psalm, where it says this in verse 23. It says, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Even when the world isn't good to us, and even sometimes when our friends aren't good to us, we know that the Lord is always faithful to us. So how did David get through this moment in his life? How did he get through the hurt that he was facing? Not only the risk of his life, but also the hurt in his heart. His help comes, and his solution comes as it does for us a lot of times. It comes through a friend. Let's look at verse number 15. It says, so that David saw that he had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Zeph at Horsh, and Jonathan Saul's son rose and went to David at Horsh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained in Horsh. And Jonathan went home. As much as people can sometimes hurt us, isn't it great to know that in our times of sorrow and trouble, just to have that friend who comes along inside us and says it's going to be okay. A lot of times we get worried when we see people that we know and people that we love and that we care about when we see them suffering, because we're always worried about we're not going to have the words to say. We don't know how to help them fix their problem. We don't know how to help them get through it. But I want to give us assurance and comfort knowing this morning is that we don't have to fix their problems. We don't have to give them counsel. We don't have to do anything other than what Jonathan did for his friend, And that was just be there. A word of encouragement, a warm embrace to just let David know that there was indeed, even amongst all the traitors and the betrayers and the haters, there was someone who loved him and cared about him. And I assure you through most problems, that's enough to help get us through. And if you'll be that person in someone's life to give them words of encouragement, to give them warm embrace, or anything just to let them know that you're there and you care about them, it could be enough to help them get through a hard time. And in Jonathan's words of encouragement, he told and reminded David of two things. Number one, he helped David to see things for how they are. For David, it looks like enemies were just crushing him around him, and there was no way out. But Jonathan helped David see the larger picture, that God's hand was actually on David, and that he was working through David, and he was taking care of, of David and Saul's plans that he had for David would not come to fruition because God's hand was on him. That's what we need to encourage each other with. To give the perspective that even as we have this tendency to wallow in our pain, to just let other people know that God's still there and God's still faithful. And the second thing he reminded David of, he wanted to see them how this all ends. He said, David, you're going to be the king of Israel because that is what the Lord's declared. You know it, I know it, and even Saul knows it. So live your life in the understanding of that truth. The Lord has given us great promises, hasn't he, for us. That even as the world treats us bad, And even as it seems that the world is winning, when it's all said and done, righteousness will triumph over evil, light will triumph over darkness, and the children of God will be victorious over the armies of Satan. Regardless of what we experience in our life right now, we look forward to the great purpose and the great future that we have in Christ Jesus. And what that does is that gives us strength, strength to fight, strength to continue to do good, strength to continue to give our resources to help other people, strength to love, even though people betray us, even though people don't pay us back knowing that whatever we do, in the name of the kingdom of God, God sees and God rewards. God loves us. Even when everyone else has turned away from us, we have the love of the Lord to guide us through. But even it's good to know that even if that was true, that even if there was no one else there for us, God would be there for us but God has given each and every one of us people in our lives to bring us through the hard times that we face. Let's listen to their words of encouragement, and let's encourage and strengthen one another. Let us encourage one another and build up one another to love, even as we see the hour drawing near. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're grateful this morning for your faithfulness. Even when our friends aren't faithful, and even when we're not faithful, Lord, you are always faithful to us. Lord, as we seek this time of invitation this morning, we ask in our hearts, Lord, have we become callous? Have we been hurt in such a way that, you know what, we just feel like we don't love anymore? Have people turn their backs on us so many times and we say, you know what, I'm just going to close myself off. Let us hear the words that you spoke to us this morning. That we should always seek to love. We should always seek to help because you did that for us. Let us follow your example and not the example of those who have betrayed us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's get us saying. Amen protection. Okay.